my name is Ashley Smart. I am a second year PhD student at UC Davis. I study ocean acidification and organismal response with behavior. I'm Anya Steiner. I'm a fourth year undergraduate student at UC Davis. I'm about to graduate with my bachelor's degree in marine and coastal sciences with an emphasis in organismal biology. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, did we decide, is this show called Human Bit? Yeah, let's go with Human Bit, because okay. I feel like what we're trying to really focus on is the parts that, like, so science is super exciting, right? But you yeah. can't ignore that there's people in it. That's what trips up some of the science being done, is ignoring that there are people in it. Mm -hmm. I feel like it gets into this mechanical sort of, you need to do X, Y, and Z, and it's not how do you do it, it's just do it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, I don't know, you kind of can lose that joy of like why you initially were excited about science because you have to take yourself out of it. But I don't know, I guess that's what we can talk about. And <laughs> we're going to start at like that level of school, yeah. maybe some like barriers to entry and then barriers to retention, which both go together. I mean, like, that kind of speaks to this getting lost in the science bit, which is getting lost in who can be a scientist. Mm -hmm. And to me, my, like, my path to science, it's not that it was, like, super non-traditional. It's just that there was more, I don't know, I always thought that I would end up being a master's student because I couldn't cut it as a scientist because mm -hmm. I didn't know any other scientists. Yeah. And I imagine that there is a very clear way forth to be a scientist, and that essentially was you go to college, maybe you get some jobs and then or internships and then you go and, and be a scientist. <laughs> but, you know, that only came with me as I like started going through college. I don't I don't know what I was doing before like I got to college. Yeah. I was not <laughs> Who prepping <knows>? for this. <laughs> I I feel like I kinda had something similar where no one in my family is a scientist either. Um, at least not in this sense. My dad does computer science, which is quite different than, you know, ecology and organismal biology and such. But I came into this really blind and I felt discouraged a lot because I didn't have anyone to talk to or ask advice. And I kind of had a similar feeling where like I always wanted like the best for myself. I always like considered myself someone who would get her PhD, but I always wanted that not because I knew what that meant, but because I felt that having a PhD people would that I was smart and I think that a lot of times um, maybe because I'm a woman maybe because how I carry myself people don't think that I'm smart and so I think that my journey through undergrad has really made me reassess my reasons for doing what I want to do and made me a lot more comfortable and excited with what science has to offer. Yeah, and I get, I mean, like, I, I completely come from the same world of, like, no one in my family did remotely anything environmental science or ecology, yeah. and it was just like, what am I doing? What, I, I mean, like, to the point where there were people doing things in high school to get to college, and I totally yeah. appreciated that, but I didn't know you had to do anything to get to college. I didn't know what the <laughs> SAT was until I only had one chance to take it. Yeah. It was terrifying. I mean, my father, like I said, he um, does computer science, but he grew up in this, uh, like, village in Slovenia, which it was actually not a village. It was next to a village called Kodersko, <laughs> so very small. Um, went to school there and did his master's in New Zealand and then came to America, but had no idea what, you know, going to college here was like. And as much as he tried to help me, like, it's hard when you're kind of the person doing it for the first time and you see all your friends in these like SAT and 
not GRE. I have to take the GRE now. Um, <laughs> and like SAT and ACT testing. And you're like, what is that? Do I have to do that? Like your parents are signing me up for these things. Like what are our minds supposed to be doing that, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, I know that you told me that you're a first generation like college student. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's a weird definition and one that I had to like Google to make sure <laughs> I fit into because yeah. my mom did get her associate's degree in nursing at a community college. But mainly what they focus on is like, you know, for that t- kind of upward mobility track, mm-hmm. that bachelor's is really what defines your ability to then get a job more successfully, say, than just an associate's itself. So yeah, it's it was definitely weird because I at least like, I think I really fell in love with the idea of going to college because of movies. <laughs> and it seemed like such a, I mean, just in the same way that like you fall in love with being a, having a high school experience yeah. watching movies and you're like, oh, this is nothing alike. <laughs> And so I was really interested in what the experience of college can be, kind of without thinking about what my needs in a college were. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I sort of did like a, a preliminary search, but of different colleges. And I wanted to go to a liberal arts college that was small for no apparent reason other than <laughs> it was small and I liked yeah. that type of setting. But it came to a point when I just realized that, you know, at that time in my life, that was not a possibility with being able to. Like, the step of going to college is huge. And it was not going to be possible for me to do that because of my, like, emotional disorder that I have. Yeah. And so I didn't feel like it was a letdown when I was like, okay, I'm just going to do a community college in transition because that made the most sense for me. And Mm -hmm. small transitions have been, like, super important in my life given mental headaches that I've gone through in high school. And that almost like kind of foreshadows something else that we will talk about later, which is retention and like sometimes taking those small steps instead of giant leaps will help you stay on the track that you want to be on, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's just like, it's so important that people don't feel like failures because they're taking like a different route that they anticipated themselves Mm -hmm. being in. I've had a few friends that didn't take the you know, traditional route to a four year and just beat themselves up about it. And it really upsets me because there's amazing, intelligent people and they did other things with their time, you know? And I feel like it's really ingrained in us, like when we're in high school that, you know, you go straight to a four year and that's just not how it is for a lot of people. And that doesn't change. And you're still getting your PhD at like this amazing. I know, I know. And like, dude, so this reminds me of, this is so stupid, but I remember it because I'm still like slightly angry about it. So I was like valedictorian for my class, which <laughs> isn't so a big cool. deal. No, there were it's 20 kind of kids a- in the class. <laughs> oh, small high school. Yeah. It was like a, I like dropped out for a year because my, I was too anxious. Mm-hmm. And then I went to like a small high school, which is essentially for people with emotional disorders. Oh. And so it was super, like, that's why I wanted a liberal arts experience because yeah. that's what I'd known. I mean, it was amazing because it was like, it was an opportunity that we couldn't have afforded, but it was something that like the state paid for. So I was like, yeah. Awesome. Um, but it was more just like, so, you know, I'm valedictorian, small group, still, I guess, matters. And I get to give a speech. Mm -hmm. And I was really excited because I felt like I had transformed a lot. I had a lot to say during that time. And I was really excited to speak on everyone else's behalf. Well, at that point, I had already committed to going to a community college for myself and what I needed. There was someone in my grade who wanted to give a speech but wasn't asked. And she went and complained 
And one of the things she said, and she said this to me later, is why should she get to have a speech? She's not going to a real college. Whoa. Yeah. And it's like, what? <laughs> My <Me>? jaw just <laughs> dropped. That is, sounds like something a petty high schooler would say, honestly. I'm not I mean, surprised. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I don't know. How did you feel about that when she said that to you? I mean, it's just – I think I had not felt bad because I had already committed to this decision. It doesn't feel great, though, because it's like you see everyone else going on college tours and Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, this is exciting. I'm not living that life right now. And like, I'm not in this position to be like, oh, I'm so selective because I'm like, I'm just treading water. (laughs) Um, But it was like, I don't know. At the time, I was like, well, whatever. That's just the type of person you are. But I think that that represents more so just like the systemic belief in people who pursue college in alternate ways. Oh, and it's totally, like, it's wrong. And I think that that is important to have, like, kind of at all stages because, like, you were saying that you dealt a lot with, like, your disorder when you were in high school. Yeah. And mine really just picked up, right, in my senior year of high school, so it wasn't really something that was big for me until college. And I remember my freshman year sitting on the chair in my dorm room and I remember this because I caught a glance of myself in the mirror and I feel like seeing myself like that way like just it's stuck but I was on the phone with my dad having a particularly hard time in my chem class because my anxiety was so high that I was like scared to like leave my dorm room Oh, absolutely. And it was like, it had nothing necessarily to do with school, like the anxiety, which made it all the more frustrating. Yeah. It was just the matter of fact that like, I couldn't get myself to be like in public. And I I shared a dorm room my freshman year and I felt completely uncomfortable with the person that I was sharing with, at least in the beginning. And I remember thinking that, you know, maybe science wasn't for me and that I should choose something easier that I could just do in my dorm room or I should quit altogether, you know? It's like that is something else that is totally keeping people out of these fields. Yeah, and it's like even if you manage to get in here and then you have some sort of issue arise, there's this pervasive feeling that you're somehow wasting money mm-hmm. by having an issue which you have no control over yeah. and is not a personal failing. <laughs> like, it's, it's just not. It's... You know, whether it be environmental or kind of more hard-coded genetic, it's not something that you're not being, you're not doing this for attention. You're not, you're not just sad one day. Oh my God. I love that. <laughs> what you just said, I'm not doing this for attention. When I was in a high school, my senior year, I developed like this thing called dermatillomania, which is like, I was like peeling my own skin off. It was mm-hmm. terrible. I walked my graduation ceremony with 36 band-aids on my legs because oh, no. if my legs weren't covered up I would you know pick all it was awful and I'm honest to God surprised that my legs healed but people when I opened up to them about it because a lot of the times when people asked oh why do you have those band-aids I was like oh I I fell on a glass that I broke you know but I would open up to people and they'd be like well why don't you stop doing that (laughs) or why don't you do something different and I'm like (laughs) you know this isn't for attention right like (laughs) I could do anything else for attention why would I like mar my own body with this like why would I sit here and do something that I know that you think is gross and I know that I think is gross Mm -hmm. like for attention and that's something that I'll always have a hard time wrapping my head around is like people really aren't doing this for attention there's so many things that aren't 
told to you. I, I mean, like, I didn't know what office hours were, and I'm still averse to oh them. Oh, my gosh. Because they make me feel like it's where dumb kids go. Ashley, I <laughs> cannot go to office hours because I am so – I've been to very few professors' office hours because I'm so anxious about that interaction of mm-hmm. meeting someone new and asking a question. And I don't know, like, what that is, and I – I've definitely gotten better at it and I've found strategies that make me feel more comfortable going in and like how I can prepare myself ahead of time. But like my freshman and sophomore year and even, you know, most of my junior year, I could not get myself into office hours even if I needed it. Yeah. And it's like beyond just knowing them, it's like the ability to go to them. Crazy. Yeah. And it's when so many and it's one of those things which is external to the course itself but almost built in as a necessity absolutely and so it's like you know maybe you can't reach them fine you can't go to the office hours but then it's like it's just a bump up that you would have never expected if you weren't prepared for it and I don't know I think a lot of students work through college and I'm not saying not to have the office hours that's fine but it tends to benefit a particular student oh I totally agree (laughs) and it's like I'm all about people with drive and I'm really encouraged by people who go to office hours Mm -hmm. because they want to learn that knowledge. But it is, yeah, I mean, like, I I didn't learn about them in college until I was failing a class. I'm like, oh my God, these exist. And even then it made me like, you know, it was a balance between my job and then also between like the commute to college. And so it's just like, there's so many things you just don't know unless you either have a pipeline or people telling you or you feel confident enough in that situation. Yeah. And like back to what you were saying about how, you know, some people work a job, like it's really just, it's not accessible to everyone. And like, there's no clear cut solution for that because you can't just take it away from everyone because, you know, a few people can't make it. Like that's not helping at all. So it's like, what is the solution to that? Like, how do we make these kind of accessories more accessible? Yeah. Cause it's like, ultimately the thing that pops out at me is peer groups Mm -hmm. But that's an entirely, like, which is what you want, have people together, working together, and forming this ability to talk with your peers. But that's still sort of another, I mean, like, I know these seem like super small, stupid barriers, but they matter. No, they they do. I feel like I could have done so much better my freshman year, and not just, like, not GPA-wise, like, you know, my GPA is fine, it's whatever, like, just emotionally and mentally and like that translates also physically to me if I was able to overcome these barriers like earlier on like if I figured out a better way for me to go to office hours or if I figured out a better way to deal with not being able to make all of my classes and you know for me that was anxiety but for someone else it might be they have to work and yeah they're small but they matter they really do I have listened to some people complain about students getting accommodations. Mm -hmm. And I agree. Maybe, like, it's not necessary that students have that accommodation, but if it makes them feel more confident taking that test, then that's something that, you know, and otherwise it would have been prohibitive to them. It's a little bit of legwork that administrators have to do and you have to validate some things, but it, it encourages more people to apply and do work in the college realm. I feel like we've really gone on this tangent of, like, (laughs) I don't know, like, we went from, like, barriers to, like, entry and retention to just kind of, like, little things that add up, but at the end of the day, I think those are almost, like, 
most important because you lose so many people. Like freshman year, I just like I know so many people that dropped out. Yeah. And like most of them didn't drop out because they didn't like care what they were doing. It was like, oh, like they their anxiety or like depression couldn't be accommodated or like they had to like work too much. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting because like those people are all really smart and I'm upset that I won't get a chance to work with them with like in the future. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't get stuck necessarily on what all of these what ifs and could haves, but like these are widespread enough. I think in some cases that they're worth talking about. You know, a lot of times this stuff is considered taboo. Mm-hmm. People might like hint at it, but they don't always like just straight up say it. And I feel like talking about it will eventually make it less taboo. (laughs) Yeah. And I think like one of the incredible things that has been happening is this real boom in people being really pro mental health through Mm -hmm. your college education and understanding that it's not just the, however you measure it, smartest people that are capable of finishing, but it's really an endurance of mental health and ability to perform kind of the song and dance of college. Absolutely. And I mean, like, to that end, that, as we've talked about, that certainly requires a lot of institutional knowledge that you either gain or you have acquired through some other means, through some, like, prep program or or someone somewhere was looking out for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it might be yourself, too. That's true. One of the difficulties I have had in grad school is, like, I didn't grow up going outside a ton. I mean, like, I went outside a ton, but in my own way. Like, I never went hiking. I didn't have, like, all these extreme... Camping. Yeah, yeah. camping. Like, I didn't have all these extreme adventures. And then I get into a grad program where it's kind of almost, like, required. And I love that people do it, but it made me feel so excluded. Yeah. Because I don't, like... I didn't realize Tevas were not as cool as... I don't know. Chacos. Chacos. Yeah. (laughs) Like what is this debate? Ooh, this is getting technical (laughs) now. Yeah. And like, I, I, I mean like no one, like it was just like a fun comment and I totally get it in passing, but I was like, Oh, I thought, I thought I looked outdoorsy. Yeah. Like I felt outdoorsy. So it's interesting that like, it's not just even getting into necessarily the educational system and persisting there. It's like getting into your subfield. It's almost like looking the part sometimes. Yes. Like, like I had to gain, I had to wear a lot of plaid. <laughs> <laughs> Prove yourself with plaid. Yeah. No. I, I mean, I like it, but it feels like I've sort of altered my style to fit in with what the image of the group that I am associating with is so that there's less questions of that I am an outsider, even though I feel yeah. like I'm an outsider. Yeah. Like, I remember I bought my first Patagonia jacket my freshman year, and, like, everyone had had there since they were a kid going on hikes with their family, blah, blah, blah. Like, I never did any of that. Like, I didn't have, like, my own pair of hiking boots. Like, I joined hiking club, and, like, I thought that I could just go in sneakers, but, you know. (laughs) Right? See? I still do that. Yeah. It doesn't work. And it's, like, it's crazy how much is fitting the part. Yeah. And I love that you went hiking in sneakers. (laughs) Because I still try to go out into the, like, mud flats and sneakers. And it's it's a lose-lose every time. Yeah. But I feel like I'm like, oh, okay. I better devote some, like, time and skills and money 
into getting the proper equipment. No, I remember before I went to Bodega um, this summer for classes and internship, I I went to REI and I spent the day (laughs) in there. I had been saving up all summer. I like, you know, tried on all their field pants. Like I, and I, you know, I don't know the difference between them. Like, are there even a difference? And at the end of the day, I was like, whatever looks the most nerdy is probably what I should be (laughs) buying. And I like had to, you know, get my pants, my field pants to play the part. It's I so I love that so much because like I I find buying pants a challenge in and of itself field pants even (sighs) worse and so it's like I have just resigned myself to not owning field pants I'm like (laughs) I'm gonna wear jeans and I'm gonna look like trash and it's fine (laughs) because at this point I'm comfortable enough that I don't care that's what I was about to say is at the end of the day when you're doing this work like you should be wearing what's comfortable not like the outfit because why why does the outfit matter as long as you're wearing something you can move in that's what's important but like yeah it's just so easy to get washed up like caught up in like oh all my friends are wearing blundstones like (laughs) I need to get my hands on a pair of blundstones and it's like oh my god you go and look at them online and it's like this like 200 bucks like I can't afford that yeah and no one is making you wear them but like at least for me when I first came and like join these programs like it was an easier way to fit in and I I felt like if I fit in how I looked I would be able to like spark conversation easier and sometimes people's what people want to experience in their life seems like you know they're totally doing it for the right reasons but it's hard when it also you know you're sort of out grouped and it feels like a a signaling Mm -hmm. for like in grouping and you're like well I've seen a river before (laughs) (laughs) cool great absolutely and and sometimes I feel like this is not always you know applying but I I feel like as a woman I feel more of that pressure that I have to fit into that role Mm. and I don't I don't know if maybe that's a me thing or it's it's a woman thing it's I feel like it might be a woman thing from all my woman friends have told me similar (laughs) things but it just reminds me of that like statistic that I sent you where like men are more likely to apply to jobs that they're 60 percent qualified for whereas women tend to apply things that are only 100% qualified for and which is infuriating yeah I mean not that I like love that I have an anxiety disorder but like <laughs> nothing in science will ever be harder than kind of those things that yeah. I've gone through in life oh I think that having these types of disorders or you know I people can have a lot of different things but I think that at the end of the day it really does give you perspective Oh yeah, it's made me such it's made me a much nicer person. Like mm-hmm. I mean like I'm kind of known for having like a stick up my butt <laughs> and like I'm like no, if people aren't doing it this way it's wrong. And it's like I mean maybe that was just me being a shitty teenager like everyone else is. Uh-huh. But it's like if I need people to accommodate myself, then I have to be accommodating of other people. Yeah. I don't love that I have to do like emotional checkups all the time, Mm -hmm. but it has given me this emotional strength that I would have never expected. And so like having hard conversations or like, I mean like the other day I went and talked to my advisor and I was like, Hey, I mean, you already know, he already knew that I had a disorder and I talked to him, but I'm like, I need to talk to you about like how this is going to go. And there's going to be days and you know, maybe weeks where it's really hard and I'm going to be checked out and I need you to be okay with that. Yeah. And like, of course he was, and it was great and it was wonderful. And I'm so glad that I had that talk, but it's like, you know, kind of when you're in the depths of it and you're work avoidant for no goddamn reason, it's like, it's hard to have those conversations. And I think it's even harder for other people to realize what's going wrong. And that like sort of ties in everything where it's like, you don't know what's happening except your, or 
other people don't know what's happening except yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you can't communicate and there's barriers to communicating and you're afraid to communicate or seek out resources, then that's going to derail a lot of what you're fighting for and a lot of what you're trying to progress in. And then, you know, you could have situations where you just drop out of college, which is fine. It's fine to drop out of college. Yeah. But if that <laughs> doesn't make you happy either, then, like, it's all for nothing. And so... It's just, there's so many things that can go wrong and there's so many ways that you can just fix them at different points. And I get that it seems hard, but other people can reach out and there can be like safety nets and just more understanding. Yeah, more understanding is really what we need. And I think preemptive like check-ins are important because like you said, when you're not doing well and all of a sudden it's like you are having trouble with communicating and you have this like crazy assignment in your lab that's due when like mm-hmm. you just can't sit in a room where like 20 other people are and looking to them like you just can't be there you know it's hard to communicate in that moment there needs to be built-in mechanisms for flexibility so that <laughs> people don't feel like they're constantly asking I mean yeah. like that people don't want to talk about like the shit that's happening in their life no and it's this a is my situation power yeah and it's like that that's the most important thing is the power dynamic I mm-hmm. think and it's just like it's really hard to ask people let alone ask people who are above you and ultimately in the position that they can decide what does and does not happen for your future. Totally. And so it's like, yeah, empathy, built-in flexibility, you know, like encouraging people through other ways and like, you know, I mean like in-grouping is important and I get it, but like a little less of that probably. (laughs) (laughs) But okay, what did we at least try to talk about? I don't know if we did this, but I know that we... (laughs) Okay, I feel like we just started talking. I know, but like sometimes listening to people's conversations is more interesting than a like a formal lesson. Yeah. Because then you start to think about what's going on in your life. Exactly. Because like also who am I to like give a lesson to anyone who wants to listen to this? You know, know. everyone has their own experiences and I can only speak what's true for me. So, but I think what we wanted to, you know, kind of talk about was some of the barriers that we'd personally faced, like either getting into a scientific field and then like staying there for both of us, that kind of was like (laughs) mental uh, illness and kind of, and for other people could be tons of other things. I don't know. There are numerous axes upon which you could have difficulties (laughs) in your life. And I mean, like there's some, there's some really big ones that we know about Mm -hmm. where it's just these systematic biases. But I think, you know, as much as possible, be introspective about how that's going to impact you and, and be aware of what these biases are for other people and reach out. Like one of the things I always do when I TA is let kids know, like I am a first generation college student and I didn't know what I was doing. So if you have questions, please come out to me. Yeah, I think communication is something that is oftentimes just completely put under the table in STEM fields. And I've had great TAs like you who have made it clear that they are there to communicate with and, you know, give advice. And I've had great professors like that. But then I've had other professors who are not like that. So, But that's like one of the central things that we explored, too, is that communication, you know, just letting... whether it's letting other people know an issue that you've had or learning how to talk to people who are trying to convey issues to you and, you know, be a human and be empathetic to what their situation is. It's just like that communication, the listening and the speaking is really important, you know, in like in college, in life and like 
particularly in the STEM field, where people can super easily be excluded yeah. because they're not like the perfect fit and they weren't groomed. And they didn't have their REI field yeah, pants. Yeah, <laughs> no REI field pants. Hiking in sneakers. Yep. Not allowed. <laughs> but yeah, um, communication important. And we can all do it. Even if you don't think you can, you can. Woohoo. We're all people. It's okay. You, know. you don't always have to have the perfect words. No. I definitely don't. I Most of the time, I don't have the perfect <laughs> words. A lot of times, I don't have any words. Just saying nonsense and hoping it works out. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe maybe we end it there. I don't know. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If anyone <laughs> made it this far, maybe we'll chop this up. 